Hello. You are listening to the Grieving Parents Sharing Hope podcast. We are here to walk with parents on their unwanted journey of child loss, guiding them to a place of hope, light, and purpose, not in spite of their child's death, but as a way to honor his or her life. And now, here is your host, author, speaker, and bereaved parent, Laura Deal. Hi. Today, you are going to hear the start of a conversation with a returning guest, Linda Dillo, on a topic that is highly unusual and hard to find, which is sexual intimacy and grief. This may sound strange, but Linda is highly qualified on the topic of God's view of sexual intimacy. After studying it out for herself, God led her to write a book, which led to more books and doing over 80 conferences on this topic. A couple of years ago, her daughter passed away, which now also, unfortunately, qualifies her to talk about this topic within the deep grief of losing a child. Before we get to the topic of intimacy and grief, the foundation needs to be laid for God's view of sex as his gift to us and why it is important to know and grasp that revelation, which is what you are going to hear today. So let's get started. Well, Linda, hi, here we are again. Oh, I'm so glad to be with you, Laura. Ah, thank you. I'm glad to have you. Now, we're going to cover a topic that I have been asked about multiple times. So I have been asking God to send someone my way to help me tackle this because it is just not my area. And there isn't even anything out there that I can refer people to. And that is the topic of grief and sexual intimacy. Now, I discovered you several years ago on a podcast called Authentic Intimacy. And now, did you start that podcast with Julie Slattery? Yes, years ago, Julie and I started the ministry, Authentic Intimacy, and she started the podcast. I helped her, but it is her podcast. I just learned it is in the 1% of podcasts around the world. So it's Uh, listened to a lot. Yes. And it's still one of the podcasts in my library that I listen to almost weekly. And unfortunately, one of the episodes toward the end of last year Julie had you on to talk about the earthly loss of your daughter and what you shared was so good. I contacted you and asked if you would be a guest on this podcast, which you did. And it was really good. And you talked about how you fought your way to have hope when the enemy was trying to suck you under the suffocating darkness of grief. We turned it into two podcast episodes. So For those who may have missed it, I'll put a link to those in the show notes so people can listen to those too. Now, knowing that you have a passion for helping women have a wonderful and flourishing sex life as Christians, in a private conversation, I asked if you would come back and talk about this topic, especially since you now, unfortunately, have experience with it after the recent death of your daughter. So here we are. Now, Linda, how many years have you and Jody been married? 57. 57 years. <laughs> That's incredible. Years. And I know, I think you mentioned this on the last podcast, but you are 80. Yeah, That's right. Just turned 80. Yeah. So you have a, a lot of years of wisdom and experience that you can share with us. And before you start sharing some of these things with us, I am going to start out by being open and vulnerable to you and the listeners. And I'll probably cry. (laughs) My listeners know I cry easily. (laughs) But in the home I grew up in, the message that I received, and it's, you know, sometimes it's not the message that's given, but as a child, that's how you interpret things. And so... I interpreted in the home that I grew up that exposing your body to anybody for any reason is bad. You know, you don't even see people in their, in their undergarments, even in the home. A story that I, I don't know if I've ever told anyone except maybe Dave, <laughs> is I was baptized at nine years old and my dad was a pastor and he was going to baptize me and they put us in the same room together to change, to get into the clothes and then out of our wet clothes. And so I remember they only had one room for that. It was at a camp. And so we went to a church in town 
And so we had to turn our backs away from each other to change into what we were going to go into the baptismal and then change our clothes, you know, get back into dry clothes. And I remember after getting baptized and we were in that room and changing our clothes and I had my, my dry clothes on and I turned around to face my dad and I was appalled because I turned around too soon and I saw him in his underwear putting his leg into his pants. And it's like, here I was just baptized and now I'm just a horrible sinner because I just saw my dad in his underwear. <laughs> and and I, I grew up with, like I said, this is my interpretation, whether it was, you know, given to me as a message or not. Well, I'll, I'll just back up and say, Dave has even, that's carried over into my marriage, you know, that you just don't let anybody see you <laughs> even exposed in your undergarments. And Dave has even told me, thank you. When I got undressed in my, <laughs> and into my pajamas in front of him <laughs> in the bedroom, instead of our walk-in closet or the bathroom. And so another message that I took on is that sex is wrong and something you pretty much just have to put up with in marriage. And I'm not sure if all the listeners know, and Linda, you may not even know, that I got pregnant my summer out of high school with Becca, who is my daughter who died. And Dave adopted her immediately and raised her. But I specifically remember having the thought when we were getting married that just because we have a piece of paper now and went through a ceremony, it's supposed to be okay now. And I was literally sick on our honeymoon. I mean, sick, constantly running to the bathroom. And we ended up cutting our honeymoon short and going back home early. And when I looked back on it, I realized I really think I was physically sick because of those kinds of thoughts that it's supposed to be okay now. I'm supposed to like this now. And, you know, the messages and, and the sin of my past, I just couldn't reconcile the two. And sexual intimacy is something that has continued to plague me. And what I've learned from people like you and Julie has been very helpful. And I'm still allowing God to work, but things are definitely better than that first week. <laughs> I'll say that for sure. But I, I'm sharing all this because I think it's important for the listeners to not feel alone in this that the struggle is real. And we'll talk about it more in a bit. But I think often the struggles in sexual intimacy after our child dies is an amplification of the struggles we were having before that happened. And I think based on what I just shared that you can tell why I needed someone on here with me to be able to tackle this subject. And I'll say Dave is probably shocked as he edits this that I shared what I did. And my kids would be totally stunned if they knew I shared anything about sex in public because I am known for my modesty and my shyness in this area. So now that I have taken that bold step to lay things out from where I'm coming from to hopefully help our listeners and make them feel more comfortable where they are in this, let's go ahead and move this conversation forward. Now, before we get into intimacy and grief, I think we need to lay a foundation for the act of sex itself from God's viewpoint, his true viewpoint of the beauty of how he designed this part of us based on what he says in his word that we miss. And so, Linda, you've done something like 80 conferences on sexual intimacy with your co-author, Lorraine. You've written some books on this topic. And I just finished reading your book, Intimate Issues, 21 Questions Christian Women Ask About Sex, which is very, very good. So let's dig into what can be an uncomfortable topic, which is why it's not out there. <laughs> and Linda, would you agree that in today's world, the enemy has just blatantly out and open attacked marriage and his gift of intimacy? Absolutely. I feel that Sex is where he is attacking, but he's been attacking it for a long time. And let me just say a little bit about how I got involved in talking about this subject. I didn't raise my hand and say, oh, God, would you please <laughs> let me be uh, your voice about sex? I would just <laughs> love to talk about this and give conferences and write books. <laughs> that did not happen. I was a, a young woman in my early 30s. I had 
three little children and uh, women begin coming to me and uh, sharing about their marriages and asking me questions. And I found that the church and Christian women were not giving answers from the Bible, that uh, women were going to secular magazines. They were going to secular books to look for answers because Christians were not getting answers. And I said, God, this is wrong. And I began studying the scriptures and saw that God, God spoke so clearly and really so beautifully in his word. And I thought, why are we as Christians not being the ones to give the right answers uh -huh. to God's women? And so I felt compelled to do that. And I began doing that back in the 70s. And I began giving a little conference where I did that. And nobody back then was talking about these mm -hmm. things. God since then said, all right, you understand one of the calls on your life, Linda. And he just kept asking me to share these things with women. And the more I studied, the more I realized that not just now has the enemy been confusing women, but it starts way back, Laura, mm -hmm. in the church. And I, I was just shocked with some of the research I did because I love history. And I looked at what some of the people I respect greatly, people like Martin Luther, he said this about sexual intimacy. He said, intercourse is never without sin, uh. but God excuses it by his grace because the estate of marriage is his work. Okay. Oh, first of all, doesn't, isn't that contradictory? Exactly. But, but to be told that intercourse is never without sin uh. and God has to excuse it because of his grace. Uh. I mean, how does that make me feel about yeah. being naked and unashamed with my husband? Exactly. Thomas Aquinas, whose writings I have appreciated, thought as long as sex was not enjoyed, marriage was acceptable for those unable to accept the requirements of monastic existence. Okay, well, in marriage, you could have sexual intimacy as long as you didn't enjoy it. Do you know where, I, these, where these things came from? I, I mean, there's no scriptural support for that. You know, all I can think is down through the ages, people were so afraid of immorality yeah. that, that they didn't. Something that was pleasurable in the world can't be yes, brought and, into. And the, yeah. world, the world forever has mistreated God's gift. It's overemphasized sex. Mm -hmm. It's been disgusting the way they've treated the female body. And the way they've treated God's gift of sex. And so we were given by our pastor who counseled us, who really actually gave us wonderful counsel. But one of the books he gave us premarital was the book, The Act of Marriage. And I've, I've heard Julie talk about that book and some other books that really did a lot of damage to marriages. Because I know one of the messages I received is that sex is to relieve pressure for your husband and you need to make yourself available for that. Right. No, and that they're, makes they're, you feel like he could be having sex with anybody. Go pay someone who wants to do right. it. You know, I mean, what a terrible thing for a wife to think a Christian and wife. And that it's just a duty you have. So, you yes. never do, I mean, there, there's, there've been a lot of very wrong things said. I read one theologian in the 17th century who went so far as to say, when a married couple has sex, the Holy Spirit leaves the room. Okay, right. well, the Holy Spirit lives within us. He can't leave. Right. And, and God, gave, it, God gave the gift of sexual passion. It was his idea. He rejoices. He doesn't leave the room. But these things, we, we don't know. None of you listening knew that, that Martin Luther or Thomas Aquinas, or anybody said these things that were so wrong, but they filtered down mm -hmm. into our thinking. I was so concerned about these things that I got books 
written by godly Christians, one by a pastor's wife in 1907. And uh, it was endorsed by a lot of authors that I respect. Mm. But she said in there, if I can put in one sentence what she said about sexual intimacy, as she's writing to young brides, she said, above all, give little, give seldom, and give grudgingly. Mm. Okay, so this is what a pastor's wife is telling young brides Mm -hmm. 115 years ago. Yeah, Give little, give seldom, give grudgingly. In other words, you're not going to like this. You're going to just have to put up with it. Well, what a horrible thing to feel. Yeah, you know, down Linda, in the church. that, that sounds like biblical. a generational curse, doesn't it? It is. It yeah. is a generational curse. So we we listen to these voices from the past and they affect us. But you and thank you, Laura, for sharing from your heart, because I think that will encourage so many to say, I'm not the only one. Mm -hmm. Because our home life and many mothers just gave wrong information. And one, I think what I have heard, and I've talked with women all over the world, the main thing they said their mother said was silence. Mm -hmm. They said nothing. So if, if you say nothing, well, if you won't talk about something, there must be something wrong about it. Yeah, right, right. It's shameful or something. Shameful. Mm-hmm. If there's nothing you say yes. about. And so if you listen to the voices of the media, they tell you that every woman is instantly passionate. And <laughs> oh, I hate that. <laughs> and that, and that everything if a man kisses you, you're suddenly wanting to rip his clothes off and jump into that's bed. That's right. Or and even that, not even get to the bed. <laughs> that's right. And and everything goes perfectly every time. Mm-hmm. And let's just say, and tiredness vanishes with one passionate look. <laughs> yeah. We know that. God does not want us to listen to these false voices. Even to mothers that we love. Their silence, mm-hmm. their the looks that they gave that were negative about sex. God wants us to come back to his voice because his voice speaks the truth. Now, Linda, why, I think we're going to get into where you're turning the corner. Why does the enemy try so hard to ruin sexual intimacy in a marriage? That's because of the way God sees it and ordained it, right? Is that what you were just getting ready to share? It's because of really the first reason, the first thing that God's word says, God's voice declares He says it in Genesis 2, 24, and then it's amplified in Ephesians 5, that God gave the gift of sexual passion for two to become one. And that's amazing that two distinct people are going to become one flesh through the act of sexual union. In Ephesians 5, verses 30 and 31 and 32, Paul says this is a great mystery, but he says this mystery, it's so great, but I'm speaking with reference to Christ and the church. Well, that just confuses everyone. What does it mean that a husband, a man leaves his mother and father and he cleaves to his wife and the two become one through sexual intercourse? Paul says, that's a great mystery, but I'm speaking with reference to Christ in the church. And Laura, I'm convinced that if we can understand these two verses, it'll change the way we we see sexual intimacy. Because the Apostle Paul is painting a picture here in Ephesians 5, verses 31 and 32, saying that the closeness, the bondedness, the intimacy of sexual union that is the closest two people can be physically, when we experience that intimacy and that ecstasy in marriage, we're to lift our eyes and realize that that is the degree 
of intimacy that the Lord Jesus wants to have with us. As That's his, incredible. As his bride. Now, let me say, there is nothing sexual about our relationship with God through Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. Sex is not involved. There's nothing sexual. God knows we are physical people. We understand physical truths more than we understand spiritual. So throughout the scripture, he uses pictures. He uses portraits of physical things and then makes a spiritual application. And that's what he's doing here. And he's saying, look at the beauty and the holiness when you're wrapped in the arms of the one that you love after you have expressed your love in this beautiful and holy way and given one another such pleasure and delight not this kind of intimacy but this degree of intimacy where you're close and you're bonded i want this kind of spiritual intimacy with you where we have a close bonded intimate relationship so the physical intimacy is a picture of the kind of intimacy God wants with us of just being vulnerable and every part of us kind of being in union or in unity together. Very well said, Laura. The thing is, I think a lot of times we think of sex as a physical intimacy, but we need to fight for the emotional intimacy as well. And one of the things that my eyes have been open to is as a woman, we want emotional intimacy. It's like, well, I can't, I can't give myself physically unless I feel like I'm emotionally filled up. And men are the opposite. It's like, I have a hard time giving myself emotionally unless I am physically filled, you know, fulfilled. And so one of the things that I think a lot through you and and Julie have helped me realize is that yes, men need that physical release, but when a husband wants to make love to his wife, we can tell ourselves one of two things. We can tell ourselves he just wants to have sex. Or we can understand and realize that the act of intercourse is emotional for them because they want to feel close to us because they're drawn to us. They're drawn to our inner and our outer beauty as their wife, the one they chose to do life with. And for a man, it isn't just about having sex with his wife. It's about being intimate emotionally with us. That's their way of being intimately emotional with us. I mean, God made us so different. It's like, why? (laughs) But he did. (laughs) So, Linda, we can ask him that in heaven. Oh, my goodness. Don't we have so many why questions? And I think, though, by the time we get there, we're not going to remember a single one because we won't care. (laughs) Sexual union with his wife opens a man up emotionally. It opens him up. So he wants to talk and reveal more of himself. It it Mm. opens him emotionally. That's what makes him become vulnerable emotionally to open up and share with us as, a, as his wife. And, and a lot of us as women say, no, I want you to be like that before we make mm-hmm. love. But it is the sexual intimacy that opens him up so that he can let that tender part of him out. Mm. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Men are different. Women are different. Every relationship is different. But Paul said it's a great mystery. Yeah, yes. But the thing that God impressed on me when I first understood these verses, Laura, because I wasn't raised in a Christian home and I had junk in my life. I had made a lot mm-hmm. of mistakes in this area. I became a Christian at 20. And I I saw God, you're saying not only is sex beautiful, you're saying it's holy. Uh, You're saying it's holy because you chose this, this very earthy relationship where the sights and the sounds, God, they're, they're just earthy. It's, uh it's very, it's very much of the earth. It doesn't seem spiritual, right? You're saying this very earthy physical union 
is a picture of the degree of spiritual union you want with us. And so I see, Laura, that God has just taken the word holy and stamped it Mm. on every married couple's sexual union. He stamped, this is holy, Mm. holy, sacred and set apart for him. And that's why the enemy has has tried so hard to hijack it and destroy it and make it feel like it's something shameful and wrong. And and to make it seem just lurid and and, and disgusting and Mm -hmm. as if it's only about the body when it's about the body, soul, and spirit coming together in, as you said, emotional and sexual intimacy together. And it's a picture of spiritual union. So oh, wow. it's a lot to take in, but we've gone to what God is declaring and listening to his voice. And the first thing about God's voice is he says, I gave the gift of sex for intimate oneness. And the second thing that I see in scripture is that God's voice declares, I gave the gift of sex for knowledge. And this is the very personal knowledge of the husband and wife for each other. In Genesis 4, 1, we read, Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain. And that word knew is the word sexual intercourse. And Mm -hmm. the word yada which means to know intimately in a very deep way. And it says that through God's gift of sex, a husband, a wife can receive a deep knowing of one another that they can't find in any other way. And they can't. Uh, you have to be very vulnerable to expose yourself like that. Yes, you do. It, it's taking a risk. It's taking a risk, but it's something God has built in to this beautiful gift that he's given. And we take a risk and open ourselves and say, I want to know my husband in this yada, this deep, intimate way, and I want him to know me in this way. And, you know, when you say that, I just have the thought, the last podcast I did was called To Know and Be Known. It's probably not the last one when this airs, but, and, and that whole thought, I think as wives, we have the thought, I want to be known, but we forget about the part about, I want to know my husband deeply too. But it goes both ways. Right. Now the scripture you read, so we've talked about God gave us this gift for intimate oneness and for knowledge to know each other deeply in a way that we won't know anybody else on this earth. And that scripture you read also was about creating life. And I think sometimes as wives, that's the only one we see. Mm -hmm. It's like God gave us sex to have kids and I'm fine with that. But can we be done now? (laughs) We had our kids. We're done. Can we just be done with the whole sex thing now? (laughs) That's we we see that gift, but we fail to see the rest of them. Yeah. I've done a study of that Hebrew word yada that is the word that Adam knew Eve, and it's the word some translations say he he had sexual intercourse with Eve. And yes, the result was that she had a baby, but it's the result that there was a deep knowing between them. Mm -hmm. Uh, It was more than just a physical mechanical act. Absolutely. And this is what you mentioned earlier, Laura, that women really want. We want this emotional intimacy with our husbands. Mm -hmm. And yet we don't realize that some of that's going to come through being intimately involved in the sexual union with our husbands Mm -hmm. and delighting in it and rejoicing in it the Mm -hmm. way God wants us to. There are six reasons that you have found why God gives us this good part of marriage as a gift. And so I feel like that leads into like the fourth one for pleasure. I mean, does God actually say that, Linda, in the word that sex is supposed to be pleasurable to us? Supposed to be like fun? (laughs) He says it. In fact, he he wanted to make it so clear that he wrote a whole book of the Bible, the Song of Solomon. And 
it's really clear there. And I could go to some verses there. And I really encourage those of you listening to read the Song of Solomon. If you never have, uh, maybe read it in the New Living where it's a little bit more understandable or modern day <laughs> translation. They're but, not ashamed to use the words that they really meant instead of translating yes. it as something cleaned up. <laughs> but I'm going to go to Proverbs chapter five. Well, the whole book of Proverbs is written by a father trying to teach his son, written by Solomon, how to be wise. And in Proverbs five, he's teaching him how to stay away from seeking sexual pleasure in the wrong way. In the first 14 verses of chapter five, he's saying, stay away from someone you're not married to. And it's very, very strong. He says, if you're attracted to a woman that you're not married to, don't even go down the street where she lives, because if you do, it'll end in death. I mean, it's very strong. And yet when we get to verses 15 through 19, tells him where to seek sexual pleasure. And it's a very beautiful, poetic water picture. And I'm going to read it. It says, drink water from your own cistern and fresh water from your own well. And verse 18 says, let your fountain be blessed and rejoice in the wife of your youth as a loving hind and a graceful doe. Let her breasts satisfy you at all times. Be exhilarated always with her love. Okay, now we're talking here about how a wife, her sexual love is to be like a fountain of fresh water to fill him. Her breasts are to satisfy her husband at all times. And her husband is to be exhilarated always with her love. Now, obviously, we're talking about sexual love because we've just been talking about breasts. <laughs> and um, this word exhilarated in the Hebrew means intoxicated. It's translated differently in a lot of different translations, but it means intoxicated. And a husband and wife are supposed to be intoxicated always. So it's with, not just the husband. No, it's both. It's both. And through the Song of Solomon, that's made very clear. Here it just says the husband is to be, but that's because the father is speaking to the son. But I'm going to apply it to both. And in the Song of Solomon, it is applied to both. And in 1 Corinthians 7, it is applied to both. In fact, it applies to the woman first before the man. So if we, if we have begin to change our thought process, because especially for women, this starts in our minds, it starts in our thoughts. So if we can learn to think differently and to realize that if my husband is intoxicated by my lovemaking, in turn, it will come back to me. I, I will be intoxicated also because we're pleasuring each other. Right. Absolutely. And when a person, what happens when somebody's intoxicated? It affects the way they think, the way they see, the way they hear, the way they move, because they're overtaken by another substance. And the idea is that I want my husband to be totally overtaken by the delight that I give to him. But likewise, I am going to be overtaken by his lovemaking with me. And we are going to be intoxicated together because God is for pleasure. Sometimes we think that God isn't for pleasure, that he doesn't want that. I'm going to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 7, which is about marriage. And while you do that, I want to bring up a thought that some women may not have ever thought about. And that's the fact that God created every part of our body intentionally, which means God created a woman's body 
to feel sexual arousement when our husbands touch us and do certain things. God created that part of us. It's not a dirty part. It's not a shameful part. God created women for sexual pleasure also. Absolutely. And and 1 Corinthians 7, and I think this is particularly like in my NASB, it says, let the husband fulfill his duty to his wife and likewise also the wife to her husband. At least when I was growing up, and I'm probably older than a whole lot of the listeners, mm-hmm. that word duty. I mean, what do we think of when we think of duty? I think of cleaning a toilet and cleaning a toilet and making love with my husband in the same breath. Don't That's go pretty very sad. Well. Yeah. But the thing is, the New Testament is written in Greek, and this word duty is a totally wrong translation because. What that Greek word means is a debt that is owed. So I'm going to read it the way it should be translated. And it says, let the husband fulfill the debt he owes to his wife. And likewise, also let the wife fulfill the debt she owes to her husband. That's what 1 Corinthians 7, 3 means. So that could be interpreted as let them pleasure each other well it does oh a debt to your spouse to pleasure them sexually that's what it means and why it's because of verse four verse four says the wife does not have authority over her own body but the husband does and likewise also the husband does not have authority over his own body but the wife does now what does that mean the word authority, we mm-hmm. don't like it. Well, I think of verse four like this. What was to happen at my wedding day was this. I was to take the gift of my body and I was to give it to my husband as a gift. And he was to take the gift of his body and give it to me. We were to have a gift exchange on our honeymoon where we exchanged gifts Jesus bought my body with his blood. My body belonged to him. But on my wedding night, I also gave my body away as a gift to my husband. So it belonged to him. And he gave his body to me. We exchanged gifts. So in that sense, I owed my husband a debt. I had given him a gift. Mm. He had given me a gift. So if I gave my husband a new gift for his computer, And it was all wrapped up and he unwrapped it. And oh, he was all excited. He wanted to use this new part for his computer. But I took it and I put it up on a shelf. And I said, well, honey, I gave you this gift, but I didn't really want you to enjoy it. Mm. And this is why this verse is saying, you've given this gift. Now you owe a debt. Enjoy it. Pleasure one another. Delight with one another. Well, it could even be like, okay, you've given a gift, but you can't unwrap it. You just have to keep it wrapped and hang on to it and look at the pretty wrapped gift. But you can't open it. You can't use it. Or you can open it and you can look at it, but don't touch it. Yeah. That's what happens in a lot of marriages. And so the next verse in verse five says, Laura, stop depriving one another, except for agreement by agreement for a time that you may devote yourselves to prayer And come together again, lest Satan tempt you because of your lack of self-control. So these three verses together in 1 Corinthians 7 say, we owe each other a debt. Why? Because we gave our bodies as a gift. And therefore, we're not to deprive one another. We're to be excited about coming together because God gave the gift of sex for pleasure. We are to rejoice in it delight in it and have fun with it. Gosh, what a what a novel idea. We can have fun. We can just love one another's bodies. That's what that's what lovemaking is about. It's about loving one another's bodies. And that's spiritual. It's spiritual. And God has stamped holy over it. This all was God's idea. Have and that's like you said, that's through the book of Song of Solomon. You can see that 
throughout that book. And I know for like a lot of women, there are things in the past, all kinds of things that can trip us up in that, which we can't go into here. But you do talk a lot about that in your books. And so I, I recommend, you know, getting Linda's books or counsel or whatever you need. If there are things in your past that you need to be released from, release yourself from and receive God's forgiveness and let his forgiveness wash over you so that you can give yourself in pleasure to your husband, then that's that's something definitely needed to be to be done. Well, Laura, it sounds like you've worked your way through some of those things from your past. And I, you I have, and I'm still working. <laughs> I'm a work in progress. But you're, but you're, but you're, Please but tell you're, me we all are. <laughs> we are, we are. And it, and it is a problem, but look at you. You're, you're, you're not as old as I am, but you're past 40. And yeah, definitely. I'm hitting 60 this week. <laughs> oh, happy birthday. Hey, thank you. And you just read intimate issues. So you're, you're, so you're saying to God, I want to learn. I want to grow. And well, and to me, it's huge, even just to have you on here and have a conversation, you know, because this is not a normal conversation for me, much less putting it out there for other people to hear. <laughs> so, well, you know yeah. what? I just feel you're very brave yeah. and, and God feels that way. And I just want to say to everyone listening that our God is a God who came and died on a cross for our sins. And no matter what is in your past, no matter what you have done, no matter how many men you have been with or women, if you've had an abortion, if you have done something so vile that you can't speak it out loud, Christ died on the cross for that. And he wants you to know that he died for it and that he wants you to be free. All you have to do is ask him. I One of remember- the precious things about Jesus and, and his death and what he did for us, he didn't just take the, the sin, but he also died to take the guilt and the shame. Amen. That was part of the price that he paid. And a lot of times we don't realize that. It says in scripture in several places that he took our guilt and our shame. And a lot of times we're willing to give him the sin and repent of the sin but we hang on to the guilt and the shame. But Jesus paid for that as well. And you have no right to hang on to guilt and shame from something that Jesus paid a high price to take from us. I think, Laura, that's, that's it was the guilt and shame as much as the sin that caused him to fall on his face three times and say, God, can you mm-hmm. take this up from me? Because the sin was horrible to die for, but all the guilt and shame mm-hmm. of everyone's sin. Yeah. I remember Lorraine and I were speaking in Alaska to a large group of women. And afterwards, a woman came up to me and she was pounding her fist. And she said, you don't get it. You don't get it. I've had two abortions. Mm. Don't get it. And I just took her face in my hands And I looked into her eyes and I said, it is for this that Jesus died. Mm -hmm. What else would you have him do? He Mm -hmm. died for this and he wants you free. And she began to get it. But some of you listening, it isn't something that you did that was wrong. It was wrong that was done to you. And you feel that you have been so scarred that the scar can never be taken away and you could never enjoy delight or freedom with your husband. And I just want to tell you that his name is Healer Mm -hmm. and that he can heal. He does heal. And I encourage you to say, Lord Jesus, I need your healing. Would you lead me to someone who can help me? to walk through healing in this area. Yeah. And we think of Jesus, the healer, and we always think of him in the physical sense of healing. But I think the greater miracle of healing that Jesus does is when he heals mended and broken hearts. Yes. It is a miracle to heal these wounds. Our adopted daughter was not only sexually abused, but trafficked Mm. into child pornography from the time she was very small and she was trafficked until she was 21. Oh my. 
Today, she is 35 and she is married and she and her husband have a good marriage, a good sexual relationship. Does that mean it's been easy? No, mm. but God is healing her and God is the healer. And, and a lot he- of times that's a process. It's not an instant healing. It's a process that we have to be willing to allow him to take us through. Yes. But one of the great lies of the enemy is that if if you are damaged goods and there is no hope for you, and that is a lie from the pit. Mm-hmm. And God is the healer. And Laura, I would just like to pray right now for Go ahead. Yes. women that feel this way. Mm-hmm. Lord Jesus, I thank you that you are the redeemer. And that you have died for all sexual sin and guilt and shame. And I ask you to let everyone who is living with that burden understand that you have forgiven them. And precious Lord, Abba, Lord Jesus, Jehovah Rapha, the healer, I ask you to tenderly come to your broken one who feels there is no hope for her. And that you would give her hope for healing, draw near to her and sit next to her and weep with her. Let her know there's hope. Let her know there's healing because you are the healer. And we ask these things in your mighty name. And Father, I just want to add to this, Lord, for any men who are listening who have been sexually abused, Lord, and this is a struggle in their lives as well, because we know that happens. Yes. And so, Father, we lift the men up to you, the husbands yes. that struggle in this area. And Lord, we just pray a release on them as well, a healing for their wounded hearts, a healing in the very deep places, Lord, that you know need to be healed, Lord, the shame and the guilt. Lord, we release that to you as well. And we just pray, Holy Spirit, that you would cover the men who have also been sexually abused and release them into freedom in this area, in their lives and in their marriage, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, Laura, another reason that God gave sexual intimacy is for comfort. I think as Lorraine and I, my co-author of Intimate Issues, as we read through the Bible and said, God, would you show us why you gave the gift of sexual passion. This is the one that surprised us. We knew we gave it for temptation. That was pretty obvious. But for comfort, we're going to talk about that next time, aren't we? Yes, Linda is right. Next week, next time, we will dig into the topic of how God specifically gave us the gift of sexual intimacy as a way to give and receive comfort. I knew this was going to be a long talk full of so many insights, and I planned on splitting it up before we ever even talked. And you are definitely going to want to make sure you listen to the next episode. One of the things Linda talked about was making opportunities to get away together. And I wanted to share a couple of ways GPS Hope is making that possible. First, we have a GPS Hope and Healing Retreat scheduled in the D.C. area the weekend of July 14th through the 16th. Now, this is not a morbid time where we sit around and cry talking about how much we miss our kids. It's a time of being refreshed and strengthened so that we can keep going. It's a wonderful time to be able to take your mask off and just talk and say whatever is on your heart with others who get it. And yes, we do talk about our kids. It's kind of like taking a little mini vacation with your child who gets to come along with you. Check it out by going to gpshope.org retreats. And the other opportunity is to join us on a cruise. Six weeks after Becca died, I went on a cruise. And it was wonderful not having any responsibilities, including cooking, cleaning, or taking care of anyone but myself. When Dave and I started GPS Hope, I knew I wanted to find a way to get Perivers on a cruise. And God connected us with someone who had the same thought and was already doing it. And I'm so excited that GPS Hope is part of what is called the Grief Cruises. 
Now the next one is October 1st through 8th, and it is a grief seminar at sea combined with the wonderful, relaxing atmosphere of a cruise. GPS Hope will have our own set of workshops during that seminar just for perivers. Along with main sessions, there's a special luminary memorial service, a candlelight walk around the deck together. We have discussion groups as well as times of laughter and making lifelong friends and precious memories. Cabins are starting to fill up, and you don't want to miss out on the low prices that are being offered to our group. So be sure and check it out at gpshope.org cruise. And I will have a link to both of these, the retreat and the cruise, in the show notes. Let's go ahead and go on to this week's birthdays. Ava Jenkins was born on March 6th and is forever two years old. Jonathan Van Vertigam was born on March 6th and is forever 19. Stephen Kowaleski was born on March 11th and is forever 28. We celebrate with these families the day these children came into the world. We know it will always be an important and special day. If you would like to have your child's birthday announced the week of his or her birthday, I would love to be able to do that. All you have to do is go to gpshope.org birthdays, fill out that form with the information we need, hit submit, and we will add your child to the birthday segment the week of his or her birthday. And Dave will also send you an email to remind you to listen that week. Linda and I have been praying for you that our talk would bring a needed measure of freedom in this journey. Many of us are blessed to have a companion to share this difficult journey of life, but also for many of us, God's beautiful gift of sexual intimacy has been stolen before we even had our marriage partner. God wants to heal and restore this part of us in every area, body, soul, and spirit. So take a minute and say yes to his gift and ask him to continue teaching you and setting you free. And my weekly word of encouragement still holds in this discussion of sexual intimacy. Hold on. Pain eases. There is hope.